here, there, and everywhere. Yeah. SAFM 105 FM in Peter Maritzburg. You are listening to Songezoma Bekle on SAFM. The executive director at Boston City Campus, Dr. Dionita Damans, is on the line. World Telecommunication and Information Society Day, the impact and possibilities that Internet and ICT can bring to societies in South Africa. May 17, that's Wednesday, marks World Telecommunication and Information Society Day. This significant day on the ICT calendar provides the opportunity to create awareness and address inclusion, unemployment and socio-economic issues in South Africa through leveraging the power of technology to ensure that all individuals have equal access to the opportunities afforded by the digital, by the digital age. This is particularly relevant to the South African context with our youth aged between 15 and 34 comprising some 40 million of working age population. This demographic therefore presents an exceptional opportunity for growth and progress in South Africa if leveraging the power of ICT skills to empower our youth, therefore uplifting lives and bridge the digital divide is taken. An opportunity for opportunity's sake is nothing more than potential until you make it kinetic. Dionita, good evening. Thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to SAFM. Good evening, St. James, and good evening to your listeners, and welcome, and thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. We always enjoy having Boston City Campus people here, not least among them, the man himself. Ari, now let's talk to you. ICT is important. It does present opportunities. We have seen in other economies how it has just created opportunities pretty much out of nothing. It's what has made San Francisco San Francisco, if you were talking about Silicon Valley. But opportunity without it in any way being converted and used to address certain problems will do absolutely nothing for that society. And the question then is, how do we harness opportunity to being potential and a proper commodity for a society like South Africa? It's an important thing that one recognize the potential that exists within South Africa and Africa as a continent as well, but also the challenges that uh, goes along with that. And, and in starting off, I just want to elaborate on, on this day, uh, which will be the 54th celebration of uh, International Telecommunications and Information Society Day. And every year, is celebrated around a specific theme. And the theme for this year is about empowering the 46 least developed countries through information and communications technologies and asking private and public sectors to make pledges towards universal connectivity and digital transformation. And I think that's the same when I look at the South African context, where we have to have public and private sector working together to see how we can ultimately bridge this digital divide that we, uh, that we are seeing and that we're actually experiencing. And before I go further, one has to understand what this digital divide means. And it means that some people have access to hardware and technology and some do not. And, and some people do not understand what it means to be the digital means of communication. And then there's the internet affordability. Now, I spoke to you that we've got potential and you've alluded to the fact that we've got a very young population. But that young population with the potential and the energy and the um, dynamic spirits that they have and the entrepreneurial guide, 
can also be hindered by the fact that we are not investing sufficient resources into ensuring that our youth are empowered through tech. Because, as you mentioned, if you look at San Francisco and you look at what technology has done for San Francisco, and for other first world countries like China, for example, it has elevated them centuries um, ahead of, of, of Africa. And Africa has got the human capital to sh- should actually be the driver thereof. So given the fact that we've got a massive young population, um, our challenges lie in the fact that we have not harnessed the power of technology to its full extent to ensure that our youth are geared for future employment, to ensure that they are got the relevant skills, to ensure that they've got access to all these resources to make them leaders in the world of tech. I mean, talking about the fact that this day is as significant as it is to bring to the four questions that really can speak to what telecoms and information, broadly speaking, can do for global development. I mean, in South Africa, we are talking still about the most basic and bread and butter of issues. When we're talking about World Telecoms Day, how many times have you had to drop a phone call because there's load shedding, therefore you can't hear the person who's dispatching a call to you? Or worse, you are not in a position to dispatch a call. Think of national security. Think of online education. Yes, ESCOM is a problem on its own. But one should not have ESCOM compounding the problem, especially in an age and a time where so much of what we do, without even thinking about, is predicated on access to telecoms, information, the online world as we are that load shedding would have such a ripple effect that it has. This is something which, unfortunately, if you're talking about other nations being so tenfold ahead of us, tenfold is going to become a hundredfold not too long from now if this continues to plague us the way that it has been for the last couple of years. And, and that, that speaks to, to the fact that um, electricity or energy security is pivotal to individuals having access to an online world. And if we do not have that security, um, our ability to play in the tech field and in the tech world is diminishes again, again once more. And then again, it creates a bigger divide in terms of the unequalness in society, because there are individuals that can that have access to alternative resources in terms of energy resources, and they will continue to play in your tech field and they'll continue continue to strive, because the biggest drivers um, in terms of sustainability and growth is access to employment with the right access to education. And if we don't have energy security, the people that have access to security of energy and access to internet will have access to better education, thereby implying that they'll have access to better employment. Again, bringing, just creating a bigger divide in our society, which we really cannot afford because we've got such an unequal society as it is. But it goes down to what private and public partnerships can do to give access to individuals and all individuals and become more inclusive. And if you look at the tech innovations that you can, can, can implement, it also bridges the, 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 the access to people living with disabilities because it becomes accessible to them as well. So we need to start looking at innovative ways of, of creating access uh, readily access, more available to a broader society. Um, and if you, um, in 2020, the parliamentary, the Presidential Commission on the Fourth Industrial Re- Revolution 
came up with key recommendations. Has it done anything with that? Well, if you look at it, one of them was investments in human capital. And one of the vehicles that they do these investments with is through the Department of Higher Education and Training and the Sex Education and Training Authority. And they've instructed them to look at their funding models to start incorporating training and reskilling in the ICC sector, both for programs that are seen as accredited or not accredited, but to increase the scope and the access to ensure that there's a broader pool of society getting access to ICC skills, not just in new skilling, but also in reskilling and upskilling. So yes, um, there has been key recommendations made, and some of these key recommendations were filtered down to specific organizations like the CETAs, the Higher Education and Training Authority, and specific industries and sectors. And they are driving um, the reskilling and the upskilling of individuals within ICT specifically. Let's take a break. 2112, we're in conversation with Dr. Dionita Damons, Executive Director at Boston City Campus, the significance of World Telecommunication and Information Society Day, the opportunities, possibilities, and how to convert opportunity into tangible outcomes for the better for our national development, more particularly in the high-tech and data-intensive world in which we now live. Your comments, contributions are welcome after the break. As, as much we are engaging after this conversation, a conversation of rights, of parents in this traditional sense, single parents, the one having rights to one's child or the rights of children to access their parents and their role, culture and traditional practices play in that. After the break, we continue on this. The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. If you want to take legal advice on how to get your partner to pay child support or to bring your child back when he or she is supposed to bring the child back after visitation rights, anything to do with the child and the child's rights to access the parent or anything to do with the parent accessing the child's right. Have you been to the match court, the family advocate? Are you getting no joy? Or do you have the strength of paper but not the compliance to that paper by your ex-partner for whatever reason things went wrong there's a child in the mix now and suddenly the devil in the other person is out something you never anticipated in that person let's have a conversation in about five minutes from now for now we're wrapping up the conversation with dr dionita damons executive director at boston city campus talking to us about world telecommunication information society day now you've mentioned a couple of things that the four ir ought to at least at a policy level introduced for the purposes of harnessing and bringing together what potential there is for this digital age in which we now live in. Now, I did ask if anything has happened, and I didn't quite get the idea that things are going on. Uh, That certainly we can hold on to. And I would imagine, I mean, because you use the word education quite a lot, education, fourth industrial revolution, is just such an obvious entry point for South Africa. It's a critical marker. We spend a lot of money in education set up in the country, perhaps without the kinds of results yielded by relative to RAND terms, the spend. Also, we are just not ranking as highly as we probably should if our infrastructure that already exists and the amount of money we are spending by comparison to other countries with far less, but having the kinds of outcomes at this point anyway we can dream of. You are operating, albeit in the tertiary education space, in the education space nonetheless. What would you wish for 
in terms of education, the online education world particularly, in terms of harnessing the strength of the world order as it is to bring better outcomes so that when you receive at a first year level somebody who's had access to basic education, at least he or she is competent or conversant with some of the technology that then will allow him or her to participate and compete at a global stage. Dionita? Uh, what I would like and what I'm having is uh, getting is two different things. <laughs> what sure. I would like, <laughs> what I would really like is somebody that is ICT literate to a point where I just merge them into our world. Because as you rightly say, we're an online institution, um, and because we understand that our our students come from varied backgrounds, we actually ensure that each student goes to an ICT program first before they engage in, in, in their, their, their actual studies to make sure that they become a holistic individual when they leave because we don't just teach visitors who want them to be able to function optimally in this new world of work that is very digital and it's digitized. So even though I would like somebody to come in with a, a basic understanding of ICT, I understand the complexities about them having access to it and the kind of securities they have, which is systemic. So as a core tool to our offering is always make sure that we first or we incorporate ICT training as part of our offering so that when they do leave, they do have that as an addition to the qualification that they study. But also important to note is that the qualifications that we have today or the programs that we have today will have to change at a rapid pace to accommodate the new career options coming into the world of work. Um, and that obviously goes down to the other regulatory things that could take time and does not keep up to date with how quickly the world changes and how quickly we can move from one type of offering to another offering and one type of qualification to another qualification. Also, what one would want is we want to expose them to the options there are out there because you only choose what you know. And if you don't know outside of your frame of reference, you'll always choose with what might not be relevant. So ideally, one would want or one would expect that the, through basic education before they come into higher or tertiary institutions, they are exposed to a myriad of occupations and a myriad of roles so that they can make better choices when they come to higher education institutions. So they can look at other options like cybersecurity, like ethical hacking, uh, because those are conversations that are not being had at that specific level. And I would imagine just at a purely because, I mean, this is public interest radio, I mean, just looking particularly with the public interest in that regard, just how much information is not available to the state because of the social fissures that don't allow people to be known to the system. Therefore, the system cannot plan or the institutions of the system cannot adequately configure resources for direct social impact. I mean, I would imagine there's a tremendous amount of scope from the time a child is born to him or her accessing social services, the education space, the healthcare space, and other spaces of the state. There's a role and an important one at that, as there is potential, for the digital world to come into the fray. I mean, how often are you engaging the state by having to use a pen? And we know the vulnerabilities of the paper-based system in this world, don't we? No, we do. And, and, and unfortunately for us, we, we obviously moved away from the paper-based 
the, the, the conventional paper-based system within, within our frame. The unfortunate thing is that the learners we're talking about that are left out of the information loop don't even know that there's an avenue for them to go to, to ask for information. And, and that sometimes is the greatest barrier, the access to that specific information. And you often find that when somebody has the information, how they relay that information doesn't come across um, very, it's not accepted because the way they relate it, people find it uncomfortable. Um, and sometimes people do not want to come up and say, I don't know, because they find that, that even that it impacts on their dignity because it's the parent that has to relay the information. And if the parent hasn't been educated, this child will get, won't get the information either. Um, and often you find that when you go to one department, they'll send you to another department and another department, and you never get to know what you need to know to move forward. Well, let's leave it there. You certainly have given us some insights, and I would hope that on another day we can further unpack that perhaps with the role players, both in private sector as well as the public sector, to ensure that we don't miss the obvious things that otherwise could be leveraged for the conversion of opportunity into reality. Dionita Damons, thank you so much for your time, ma'am. Thank you. 21.30 is the time, folks. Remember, after the break, this is the final conversation.